Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm 4 for 4 Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my partner in crime, Roster Coach Co-Founder, Mr. TJ Hernandez. What's good, TJ? What's up, Chris? We are officially three quarters of the way through the season, just four weeks left, so uh I'm ready to to get a, a winning streak going down the stretch. Uh, no more qualifiers to dump your money on, except for four for fours, which isn't a money dump. That's a good qualifier, but no more big qualifiers. So now we can just kind of grind to the end. Absolutely. And before we go on, we have to mention the song that played us in. It was "If I Can't" by Fifty Cent off "Get Rich or Die Trying," which came out in two thousand and three. And I actually have a story about this album. I remember cutting high school i think third or fourth period and going to the whiz which does not exist anymore but some of the older listeners or listeners my age 29 will probably remember the whiz um cut school got this get rich or die trying album came back to school i feel like every single um song on that album was on the radio at one point or another yeah i mean this came out my senior year of high school so lots of uh, 50 cent at all of our our dances homecoming and prom and all that jazz so uh yeah lots of nostalgia attached to this album for me as well right and i like the pronunciation because it's not 50 cent it's 50 50 no, you cent. can't even say it you can't even like it doesn't even come out of my mouth to say <laughs> i don't know how to say <laughs> i mean being from new york that's actually the natural way i say fit 50 so i i have to <laughs> it's, it's unnatural for me to say 50 you know so I'm working on it, though. Uh, <laughs> the 4 for 4 Championship, speaking of, congratulations to You Betcha, who finished first place last week with a lineup of Alex Smith, Jordan Howard, LaShawn McCoy, Julio Jones, Malcolm Mitchell, Golden Tate, Zach Ertz, Darren Sproles, and the Arizona Cardinals. Key plays were Zach Ertz at 1.6%. Four for fours, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, had the Bengals at 30th against the tight end positions coming into the week. So, like that play. And you guys can qualify for the Week 15 Championship. Only one more week left. So, if you go to 444.com, the DFS menu at the top of the page, the little drop down there, you should see a link to the 444 DraftKings Championship Qualifier. Again, one week left, so make sure you sign up. You can play against myself, TJ Hernandez, John Paulson, and Josh Moore of 4 for 4. Should be a lot of fun. Check it out. Let's get right into the week 14 plays, and then our DFS theory segment will be on how do you deal with losing streaks. They are inevitable in DFS, so we'll talk a little bit about that from uh, a few different angles, but this week... Quarterback Jameis Winston is 8,200 on FanDuel, 6,700 on DraftKings. He's at home as a favorite against the New Orleans Saints. The Buccaneers have the highest implied total of the week at 27, and this game has the highest over-under of the week at 51. 
The Saints are 27th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. And in the last five weeks, the Saints have allowed 363 total yards and a couple of touchdowns to Matt Stafford. They have allowed three touchdowns in a half to Jared Goff in his second start. And they have allowed over 400 total yards and a couple of touchdowns to Colin Kaepernick. So the Saints defense playing a bit better against the run, but still exploitable through the air. TJ? Yeah, the quarterback I like this week is at a very similar price range to Jameis on both sides. Uh, Andrew Luck is also $8,200 on FanDuel. He's $6,900 on DraftKings. And they are, the Colts are favored by six at home against Houston with a 26.5 point implied point total. Uh, Luck is just one of three quarterbacks with a touchdown rate over 7% over the last six weeks. And in that time span, Houston's allowing the uh, fifth highest uh, uh, touchdown rate on the main slate. They've also allowed multiple touchdowns through the air in four straight games. And lately, teams have been throwing almost exclusively against Houston in the red zone. Over the past six weeks, teams have thrown 76% of the time in the red zone against the Texans. So they are a team that if you look at uh, full season data, they might be a little bit scary matchup. But I think Andrew Luck's in a really good spot against the Texans this week in uh, a spot where the Colts should put up a a lot of points in, in a week where a lot of teams aren't projected to score uh, very high. Yeah, and the Texans probably will be without cornerback Jonathan Joseph. I actually want to ask you, TJ, because you did mention that Luck is the same price as Winston on FanDuel. They're both 8200 and I'm kind of going back and forth with this myself. We have Andrew Luck projected, I believe, for about two points more on FanDuel than Winston. However, my thought with these two is that because the Saints are a better offense, I think there's less of a chance that the Bucks end up having to take the air out of the ball, whereas I could see a situation where the Colts end up um, getting up big on the Texans and perhaps running the ball more down the stretch. Houston's run defense has been exploitable. So in a situation like this in cash games, like what would your exposure be to Luck versus Winston, would you go 50-50? Would you go like 100% one or the other? Or how would you split it up? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Uh, I mean, given the points that you make, I, I probably uh, lean Winston a little more. I tend to be a, a single lineup guy in my cash game. So uh, if there is any type of price sensitivity, if that $200 uh, does end up making a difference in my lineups on DraftKings, then uh, that that'll probably be uh, what determines my decision Uh, but on Fanduel, because of the points you make I'll probably give Jameis the edge although it is very very close yeah I'm usually a single lineup player as well but this week just because they're exactly the same price on Fanduel, I could see myself kind of hedging a bit there because I really don't I mean I don't know exactly how I feel about it I mean I like I like both of them but none of them jump out to me as must plays either and then one other guy I wanted to ask you about um before we get into the key stats Kirk Cousins on FanDuel he's 7600 on DK 6300 now he's on the road so this is not a situation we usually like to play quarterbacks in our cash games on the road but Cousins has shown a very reliable floor he's been over 16 points um you know for the last seven eight weeks I believe and the Eagles are 21st in 
schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. Is Kirk Cousins a viable option in cash games if he lets you get to other spots, like, for example, getting both uh, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson in your lineup? Yeah, I think that's actually a, a really perfect guy to mention because I think he's probably the cutoff for cash game consideration this week. Anything, anyone priced below him on either side, you're getting uh, you're getting pretty risky. But Philadelphia does rank near the bottom of the league in touchdown rate and fantasy points per attempt allowed to quarterbacks over uh, the last six weeks. So if you do need that discount play, I think. I'm fine with Cousins, although he, on DraftKings at least, he's priced right next to Aaron Rodgers. So probably if uh, I am picking a side, it might be on FanDuel. I don't know where he is in relation to Rodgers on on, uh, FanDuel off the top of my head. But uh, definitely on on, on DraftKings, I think I'd probably lean Rodgers. Looks like Cousins is priced, uh, yeah, quite a bit lower than, than those guys on FanDuel. So, yeah, he's probably the cutoff for me in cash games this week. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think I'm okay with him as well. I'd actually probably still play him over Rodgers on DraftKings only because the Packers are playing the Seahawks. We still don't know if Rodgers' leg injury, whatever hamstring I think it was, is full strength. And there are weather concerns in that game. It could be, could be some snow there. So um, I'd probably still go Cousins there. I think just for the floor of Cousins, I mean, I know Rodgers has been spectacular lately, but... It's a it's a tough situation for him this week. Let's get into the key stat in another game that there are some weather concerns. So keep your eye out for this for the forecast. The Bills quarterback Tyrod Taylor has thirty plus rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in five of his last six games. Uh, my key stat regarding quarterback is looking at a defense against quarterbacks after allowing the lowest red zone touchdown rate to quarterbacks in the first half of the season. Buffalo has allowed a 38% red zone touchdown rate since week eight. The league average is right around 22%. Yeah, they're having some some issues in their cornerback corpse. Let's move on to running back. Staying in this same game, Le'Veon Bell is 9,000 on FanDuel, 9,200 on DK in Buffalo. There are 15 mile per hour wind forecasts and an 80% chance of snow as of today, Wednesday December 7th when we're recording and we saw how the Steelers played it the last time they went on the road in a game with a lot of snow in Cleveland a few weeks ago. Bell got over 30 touches, got a ton of catches, and I think Bell has a good shot at eclipsing 30 touches for the third time in his last four games. The Bills have allowed seven touchdowns to running backs in their last six games. TJ? Yeah, I, I really like uh, the top three expensive guys this week on, on both sides. But to give a running back pick that, that maybe isn't quite as obvious, uh, I, I'm going back to Jeremy Hill, who has struggled the last couple weeks. But uh, he is very affordable, and you're getting affordable volume, which isn't always easy to find at running back. Jeremy Hill, 6,900 on FanDuel, 5,800 on DraftKings, facing the Browns. Uh, Hill's averaging 22 touches per game with uh, Giovanni Bernard out. Hill has at least 18 touches in four of his last five games, and Cincinnati's favored by six points. Cleveland ranks 
30th in running back adjusted fantasy points allowed. And last time they faced the Browns with Gio Bernard, Hill had 192 total yards in their first meeting. Yeah, I think Hill Hill's a good play this week. I know the yards per carry haven't been there lately, but against the Browns, a whole different kind of situation. And also because the Browns just struggle so much on offense, Hill could also get some easy opportunities. I like him as a correlated play with their Bengals defense. My key stat, the San Francisco 49ers have allowed a touchdown to a running back in 10 straight games. Looking at my key running back stat, uh, talking about funnel defenses here, the Giants rank 6th in quarterback-adjusted fantasy points allowed, but 27th in running back-adjusted fantasy points allowed, facing Dallas on Sunday night. Yeah, that's interesting, and Jason Pierre-Paul is actually going to be out for pretty much the season, so they're losing another key piece on their defensive line. I wanted to ask you, TJ, you mentioned the big three running backs. You have David Johnson, you have Le'Veon Bell, and then you have Ezekiel Elliott. All three of these guys are on the road. Johnson's in Miami, Bell's in Buffalo with the snow, and then Zeke is in East Rutherford playing the Giants. Now, my question to you is, and we talked about this a bit off air, you look at Johnson and Bell, they're both averaging over seven catches over the last six games. Can you afford, in let's, let's say you're on FanDuel and you can only play two running backs in your cash games, can you afford to bump down to Ezekiel Elliott and save the 500 from Bell or the 1200 from Johnson? Or is their usage just too much to pass up in a week like this where there's nobody like a, a Jordan Howard playing the 49ers defense as a home favorite? Yeah, I mean, uh, his price on, especially on DraftKings, being David Johnson's is, uh, it could be really prohibitive. So if you can't find some value plays that you really love, you're not comfortable uh, going really far down a quarterback, maybe like with the Cousins like we talked about, you might be forced to to go down to someone like Zeke. Who I don't think that's a bad play this week. I think Zeke's in a, a really good spot against the Giants. Um, I, I think it's pretty you, – you can make a viable case for Johnson and Bell because they are pretty much matchup proof. My one concern with David Johnson this week is uh, I think Miami does have a chance to put some, some pressure on uh, – on Carson Palmer, and Carson Palmer uh, has been pretty turnover prone if you look at something like interception rate over the last six weeks. So I, I, I do think there is a chance that he his scoring opportunities get a little bit minimized in this game uh, in a spot where Miami is a slight favorite. Uh, but with all that being said, if, if I can make a lineup where I can, I can afford Johnson and Bell, I do think uh, that is optimal in a vacuum. Yeah, your one concern about David Johnson is one more concern than I have about him because mm-hmm. I I don't like at this point. I mean, even if I feel like even if they get in a horrible game script, you're just you're just looking at. 10 plus targets for Johnson almost either way yeah. at this point. So I'm not really worried about it. I think the toughest thing really is just the salary with me. Um, just figuring out how to fit them both in, but I'm, I'm leaning this way, that way, excuse me, this week. Let's get into wide receivers. T Y Hilton, 7,600 on FanDuel and 7,500 on DraftKings going up against the Houston Texans. As TJ mentioned, if you're looking at the season-long numbers for the Texans' defense against 
the passing game and specifically against wide receivers, you might hesitate to use Hilton, but the Texans have allowed eight receptions and a touchdown to a wide receiver in three of their last four games. They'll be without Jonathan Joseph, most likely, as I mentioned. Hilton will be in the slot. He should avoid Houston's best corner, uh, A.J. Bouye, for most of the day. In six games as a favorite this season, which the Colts are a favorite this week, Hilton is averaging 7.5 catches, 118 yards, and .67 touchdowns. He's been an absolute monster when the Colts are favored to win and score a lot of points. And at home in his career, T.Y. Hilton has always played better on that fast track indoors. He's averaging .64 more receptions, 11.3 more yards, and .06 more touchdowns per game at home in his career. And then another wideout I like is Tyrell, the gazelle, Hat tip to Al Smizzle Williams, 6,800 on FanDuel and 6,100 on DraftKings at the Carolina Panthers. Now, you might not have realized this, but over the last four weeks, over the last month, essentially, Tyrell Williams has been a top five wide receiver in FanDuel and DraftKings points per games he has scored a touchdown in five of his last six non-Denver games and he has 140 yards in a game he didn't score a touchdown now why do I say non-Denver games because Denver has the number one and the number two rated cornerbacks per pro football focus and it's not really realistic to have similar expectations when a wide receiver plays Denver as when a wide receiver plays pretty much any other team in the league. And as far as the matchup this week, the Carolina Panthers are ranked dead last in 4 for 4s schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. TJ? Yeah, I'm going to start with a uh, high price guy as a wide receiver that I really like this week, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. at $8,500 on FanDuel, $8,000 on DraftKings, and I don't know exactly what happened or, or where this came from. He caught 10 for 100 on 16 targets last week, but now he has the lowest salary on FanDuel since week six and the lowest on DraftKings all season, and I think it goes back even further than that. Uh, so that really surprised me to see that Odell's price is uh, really low in a pretty good spot against Dallas. Uh, Odell ranks second in target share and second in red zone target share among all wide receivers over the last six weeks. And that red zone target share is especially important because teams have been throwing uh, 72% of the time versus Dallas in the red zone. Only team that has been thrown against in the red zone recently more is uh, the Texans, who I mentioned earlier. Dallas ranks 28th in wide receiver adjusted fantasy points allowed this year. They've allowed the most receptions to the position in the league, 193 receptions allowed to receivers so far this year. And this is the third highest game total of the week. Uh, Not always a huge concern for receivers. Receivers can perform in garbage time, but I do think it's worth noting if you're thinking about game stacks, this could be a good week to uh, avoid the highest projected games because uh, there aren't really any games or team totals that blow the rest out of the water. So uh, you could go to that second or third tier of games and still uh, get some really good production. Going down in salary, a uh, play that I also like is Emmanuel Sanders at 5900 on FanDuel, $5,700 on DraftKings against Tennessee. 
If we look at the value reports on 4 for 4, Emmanuel Sanders is the top FanDuel value at wide receiver on the main slate. Tennessee ranks 29th in wide receiver adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. Uh, we're expecting Trevor Simeon back this week, which uh, never thought we'd be too excited about that, but it does make a difference. Uh, Sanders has been his favorite target. Uh, Sanders has seen fewer than eight targets just once all year, and only two players on the main slate have a higher target share over the last six weeks than Sanders. So facing this Tennessee defense, I do expect Sanders to have a decent game uh, with Simeon back. Yeah, and going back to Odell Beckham, I think a lot of people will hesitate to play him maybe because of Dallas's keep-away style. And I think it's it's a viable concern, but... Dallas has allowed at least one wideout to catch eight or more passes in each of their last four games and seven of their last eight games. And especially on DraftKings, where Beckham's price has been the lowest it's been in over a year, I mean, this is kind of a little bit different Odo Beckham, not in terms of his talent, but in terms of how he's being used this season. The Giants seem, all year, they've seemed really intent on hiding their offensive line, and they've transitioned to this just super quick passing game where they're featuring Beckham on a lot of slants and and very short routes. So that allows him to usually pile up the receptions, and we saw that last week where he only averaged 10 yards per catch, but he caught 10 balls, was able to get to 100 yards, and the bonus. And I think that's kind of what you're going to be seeing out of Beckham for the remainder of the year. This is not a good offensive line for the Giants where Eli can drop back and just let it rip down the field. And so they have to use their best player, Beckham, on these shorter routes, even though he's just as good down the field. And also Eli Manning has really been struggling throwing the ball down the field this season. His arm seems to be getting weaker. And I know there's been a lot of talk about a guy like Carson Palmer in the decline, whereas I don't really see that. I, just, I think that's just a function of the fact that Arizona's receivers haven't been right for most of the year, and then their offensive line started crumbling around midseason. I think Carson Palmer is still a, a good quarterback. The guy that I've really seen a decline from is Eli Manning, um, just in terms of his accuracy and even his decision-making um, and his arm strength. So um, Eli Manning, a guy where I'm kind of more, a lot more wary of the decline, but I don't think it's hurting Beckham. I, I think Beckham is another is a good play this week but TJ I want to ask you Mike Evans will probably be the most popular expensive wide receiver what do you do with him because he's in the same price range as Le'Veon Bell and it's you know he's 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 a few little few little bit less expensive than David Johnson but can you can you play Mike Evans in cash, like, do you pay up for Mike Evans over, like, a Johnson or a Bell or even a Zeke? Or is this a guy you're just weaving for GPPs? He, it, if you can fit him into your cash lineup comfortably, I'm fine with it. But the problem with choosing him over someone like Zeke or Bell or David Johnson is I can find Mike Evans' production elsewhere at a cheaper price. I'm not finding the production from those running backs uh, with that high of a floor 
at a cheaper price. So uh, given the, the comparison between the positions, uh, I mean, Odell Beckham, he's averaging mo- more targets over the last six weeks, similar target share, similar red zone target share. Uh, you can get the same target share from a guy like Antonio Brown, Julio Jones. Uh, target share hasn't been there for Julio, but it's pretty close for Antonio. Uh, if you're just looking for for the red zone looks, you can go to a guy like like Jordy. Uh, so there isn't he, he's not like so far ahead of the field that I feel like I have to force him in. So I guess that's my my long way of saying that I don't need to force Evans into cash this week. Yeah, I'm with you on that. My key stat. Robbie Anderson has accounted for 31% of Bryce Petty's targets and 44% of his yards this season. Of course, Petty scheduled to start the remaining four games for the New York Jets. That game, if you think Monday night was a bad game, wait till the Jets and the 49ers this week. And the, the bad thing is someone someone in that game is probably going to win someone a GPP and I'm not going to have any of it. Uh, my key stat... Jordy Nelson is the only wide receiver to see at least 20 red zone targets this year, and 13 of those have came in the last six weeks. Moving on to the tight end position, C.J. Fedorowicz. I feel like we've been talking about him a lot on this podcast. He is 5,100 on FanDuel, 3,900 on DK at the Indianapolis Colts. Fedorowicz is sixth in targets among the tight ends since week seven. 7.3 targets per game. He's averaging 2.2 more targets per game this season when the Texans are an underdog. And that makes sense because Brock Osweiler were really struggling to throw the ball downfield, really struggling to throw the ball to the outside, to Hopkins and Fuller. So what happens when the Texans get down and teams start playing zone prevent type defenses, Fedorowicz flashes open over the middle and Osweiler feels comfortable throwing to him and I think this is a situation where that is likely again with the Texans as six-point underdogs in Indianapolis I like the stack of Fedorowicz with let's say Andrew Luck to T.Y. Hilton or something like that and yeah Colts 26 in tight end schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed good matchup for CJ yeah, Fedorowicz is uh, probably my top value play. I, I wanted to talk him up, but you beat me to it. But a guy priced similarly, at least on FanDuel, uh, a little cheaper on DraftKings that I really like, probably more of a GPP play this week is Jason Witten, 5100 on FanDuel, $3,100 on DraftKings. We've already talked about this game a couple times, the uh, Giants and the Cowboys. Uh, he was held catchless, catchless last week for the first time, I think, I think it was three calendar years or something like that. But his price is also the lowest of the year on both sites, priced $1,400 below his peak salary on DraftKings. So that's always a really good spot. We talked about that last week on the podcast, and we can find those price drops. It's usually uh, inherent value, especially at the tight end position. Uh, New York Giants, I, I mentioned they do fare well against the quarterback overall, but they rank 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end. Just uh, historically, they really struggle over the middle. And even without a target at all last week, Jason Witten still uh, only three tight ends on the main slate have more red zone targets over the last six weeks than Witten. So a little bit of touchdown upside there as well. Yeah, my key stat is actually related to Witten. The New York Giants have allowed... 100.2 yards per game to the tight end position over the last five weeks. That's the most in the NFL over that span by over 16 yards per game. 
My key stat, looking at Ladarius Green, of all players averaging at least five targets per game this year, Green leads all players in target rate. He's been targeted on 29% of his snaps, which if you look at our uh, target app on 4 for 4, that 29% is a monstrous number. Yeah, I've... This is I love that stat. I've been on this pretty much since he came back. Just looking at that our targets app and just seeing that every week with Darius Green's outsized target share, and it finally came to roost last week. It also helped a lot on the Thanksgiving slate where you kind of needed that that extra play on DraftKings, like a flex play at, at minimum price, and you could stick with Darius Green in there and get some pretty unique roster construction. So. Um, definitely a good thing to know and for you listeners you can go to 444.com and under the tools there's a player targets app and it has the target per snap rate um, can be useful in a lot of situations you can uh, filter by different weeks or spans of time that you want to see it for um, and yeah uh, Vernon Davis TJ he has another tough matchup he had a, I think the Cardinals were the number one ranked team versus the tight end last week he caught five passes didn't do too much now he has another tough matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles um is he a play again this week just because he's still not far above the minimum or do you kind of shy away because of the the matchup yeah I'm probably shying away because of the matchup he is priced uh, down, but he's not priced so far down that he's gonna really just change your overall roster construction. If we're looking at uh, DraftKings, he's pretty close to someone like Fedorowicz, who we already talked about, more expensive than Witten, close to a guy like Ebron or Gates. Uh, I don't think he's uh, so much better than those guys, or seeing so much volume that uh, you have to force him in. So probably not a guy that I'll be looking to this week. Gotcha, kicker. Dan Bailey, 4,700 at the New York Giants. He's a top value on 444's FanDuel value reports for kicker. Dallas has the fourth highest implied point total at 25.25, despite being on the road. And the Giants rank 30th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the kicker position. Looking at my defense of the week, uh, Minnesota Vikings, $4,800 on FanDuel, $3,900 on DraftKings. Uh, probably the, the best matchup of the week and one people are going to be looking to the most. But I especially like this play on FanDuel where uh, the opportunity cost of, of paying up for a higher price defense uh, is pretty low compared to a site like DraftKings. On FanDuel, Minnesota is just $800 more than the men price defense. So you're not giving up a lot to get to them. They're favored by three and a half. Jacksonville has an implied point total under 18. Minnesota has the second highest adjusted sack rate in the league and Bortles has the second highest interception rate in the league. So when you combine those two things, the ability to put pressure on a quarterback when you're winning against a quarterback that's going to throw a lot of interceptions, that equals a lot of fantasy points and it shows up in the numbers. Jacksonville ranks 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. Good stuff. Now we'll get into our DFS theory segment, something I know nothing about. How to deal with losing. <laughs> How to deal with losing streaks. Um, no, but, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, when you're playing DFS, you're playing for money, and losing streaks will happen to even the best players. And it is something that is important to talk about because 
there are some things you should be doing, especially if you are having a losing streak. And also, you have to be aware of how it's going to affect you psychologically. So we'll start talking about about all these things. And I think just jumping right into it, the first thing is whether you're winning or losing, really, you should always be reviewing your process and reviewing your results as well, not just your process, but essentially just looking back at the previous week. And this is something that you should do win or lose. And I think a lot of times when you lose, you're on a losing streak, you're inclined to just kind of jump ahead and and immediately just dive into the next slate and say, okay, I got to get focused. I got to improve. I got to, you know, kill this next slate. But I think it's really important to figure out exactly what happened in the previous week or weeks. Um, What's to blame for your losing streak? You know, is it variance? Is it is it bad decision making? Is it something wrong with your process? Are you getting bad information? Are you overthinking things? Like what exactly is going on um, in cash games? Some things you can do to review are you can look at other lineups and determine why you didn't have the key guys that were in the other lineups. You know, was it an oversight? Was it a roster construction decision? You know, was your decision sound and you just caught a bad beat? So if you're playing cash games, you can start to look through some of your head-to-head games and kind of look at the trends and see what players and what was the most common roster construction or the most common roster construction that beat you. Obviously, if you're in 50-50s or double up, you can just look through the lineups um, that beat the cash line and sometimes I like to look at it from the cash line up rather than from number one down because the outlying lineups in some of those 50-50s or double ups are going to be probably a little more low owned but you kind of want to see you know what were those lineups that were able to beat the cash line not by too much but we're able to kind of safely cash and you know what were the commonalities between those and GPP lineups you can look at you can look at the winning lineups of course and just the top the top lineups in a given week you can look at the ownership of the players in your GPP lineups. You know, are are you perhaps playing players that are too highly owned? Because that's not really going to give you a chance to win if your whole lineup has guys that are all in the double digits. Um, or on on the flip side, could you be doing going? Excuse me, way too contrarian. Where sometimes I think people like to get you know nine players all in the single digits and. I've done studies on winning lineups and, you know, winning lineups aren't always going to be the perfect lineup, but they do give you insight as to what you need to do to beat the rest of the field. And you usually see, um, you know, about four or five players in the in the single digit ownership. And there's usually uh, three or four at least players in double digit ownership. So you can kind of compare the ownership of, of the players you have exposure to, to to what's working in GPPs. And, you know, something I like to do in my Raybonds review column that's up for 4 for 4 DFS subscribers every week is I take a look back at the previous week's winning FanDuel Sunday Million lineup and the previous week's winning DraftKings Millionaire Maker lineup, excuse me. And I like to look at the players that were low-owned and say, okay, you know, for, for most players in a GPP, for, for most of these low-owned guys, you can find a million reasons why you shouldn't have played the guy, but you kind of have to use like rational irrationality or irrational rationality or however, whatever you want to call it, where I like to just find one reason why that guy 
you know, would have been a good play. One reason that I could have hung my hat on, you know, before the week started, like not just hindsight, but before the week started, try to identify what one reason that I could find that would lead me to play a certain player. So sometimes with a running back, it would be, okay, he was a home favorite or he was getting X amount of volume or the matchup, you know, the, the schedule adjusted fantasy point matchup was a bottom five matchup. So, just looking for something, you know, one reason will help you a lot because in GPPs, yes, you can have some of those players that are just your core and your good players and you don't really care about ownership. But for, for some of the other players, instead of looking, you know, saying, okay, you know, trying to stack up a bunch of reasons to play a guy, sometimes you just need one reason to play a guy and, you know, you can get kind of unique roster construction and a unique play. And that, that's really all you need. And then you can also review your game selection. You know, are you choosing games with a high rake? Maybe you want to bump up in stakes a little bit just to lower that rake. Or maybe you're choosing games with a low percentage of entrance paid out. Maybe you want to bump up to some safer games. Or maybe you're just playing in games with poor minimum caches where, you know, even when you have a, a lineup cash, it's only giving you back, you know, and certain GPPs are like that where you maybe you play uh, a $10 uh, entry fee and you're only getting back 15 if you min cash instead of 20 or something like that. So those are some of the things, some of the ways, excuse me, that you can review your process. TJ, you want to speak? I know you have some other things that you do uh, to review your process as well. Yeah, and I think uh, touching on on all the aspects that you mentioned, as well as as the ones I'm going to mention, uh, are very important because uh, I I think that what happens a lot of times is uh, people get into DFS, they might have some early success, and uh, then they experience a a losing streak, maybe uh, four or five weeks, maybe even longer, and and they don't really uh, take the time to go back and, and figure out why it's happening or why they should have expected it. And a lot of times it could just kind of turn into the spiral. It's a, a concept in, 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 in poker that uh, after you, you lose X dollars or X sessions, you, you don't even uh, really feel the difference anymore. If you lose uh, 40% of your bankroll or 100% of your bankroll, you kind of just get go down this uh, go down this tube of, of losing and just kind of get used to it and dumping your money and in, into bad spots and trying to gain it back so I think going over these processes are very important and uh, some things that I like to do or, or some review that you should be doing even before you hit a, a losing streak or a winning streak just knowing what your historical win rate is in different games uh, different game types. Uh, different uh, sites and then also looking at how you're playing currently is your is your win rate still the same in these games that you're playing not I mean if you're on a losing streak you're obviously not going to have the same win rate but are you still winning more and say head-to-heads or are you doing better in three mans or small gpps or large field gpps and uh, if those are your best games or is that where you're investing most of your money or most of your time or should you be trying to improve those other games and that ties right into uh, responsible bankroll management are you allocating your funds properly and responsibly and and to the games that you're best at and to the ones that you planned on playing if you set a percentage of money that you're going to play each week or are you sticking to that or are you trying to uh, regain your losses by playing a bigger chunk of your bankroll are you playing the same dollar amount every single week uh, you should have a plan and uh, you should abide by that plan regardless of if if you're winning or losing or not and 
uh, your bankroll, assuming that your your goal is to have long-term profits, it should be set up in a way that um, a losing streak or a winning streak isn't going to change much in, in what you're doing week in and week out. Also, uh, just kind of going back and reviewing your goals, and this kind of ties into the first two things that I talked about, does your game selection and process match up with uh, what your goals are that you set at the beginning of the season or when you started out in DFS? And if your goal is to win the Millie Maker or to make a live final, then you should have expected to go on some really long uh, losing streaks because that's just the nature of the games that you've decided to play. And if you if you have decided to do that, then you should have at least some very basic understanding of variance, especially in NFL where we just don't get that many trials i mean daily fantasy is a very volatile game and it changes from sport to sport but if we're just kind of looking at it from a zoomed out view if we look at players that play these games like baseball or basketball um there's players that are very good that play these daily dfs games that have bad weeks sometimes even bad months and if we equate uh just the number of trials we have in nfl uh if you have, if you lost every single week or had a losing NFL season, that's the equivalent of just two weeks in, in MLB. Basically, you get the same number of chances to play, so uh, it shouldn't be surprising if you go on a, a losing streak in NFL because uh, variance can hit you five, six weeks in a row and really take down your season if you don't have a big score in a GPP or something like that. Um, and then just are you are you abiding to your original process to your original checklist? Uh, you should have had a process in place before you, you put your first dollar onto a DFS site. And if you set that up, have you stuck to it? Or if you kind of got a little bit lackadaisical with it, just kind of uh, winging it, building your lineups, do you have a checklist, something like the guidelines we've posted on 4 for 4 or a set of guidelines that um, you've kind of came up with on your own? I think if you're, you're going through all those things and can review those things with a clear head, which is important. I mean, a lot of times you, you can think you're reviewing these things, but you're kind of in that cloud of losing and it's hard to look at them um, with an open mind. Um, if you're reviewing these things, you can deal with those losing streaks a little, uh, maybe a little bit easier, at least on your psyche, because you rationally know you're doing the right thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's also important to to define, you know, what a losing streak is, because like, if you're playing 100% GPPs, I mean, you have to kind of expect to like you're you're essentially looking you're more you're more looking at like kind of an anti-fragile strategy or something like that where you're trying to take small losses um, and then big gains. So in a GP, if you're playing if you're a GPP only player or mostly a GPP player, then yeah, like a lot of times or a lot of slates, maybe even maybe you're 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 not even breaking even or you're you're losing some money, but then you know you have a couple of big wins. Whereas in cash games, I think it's a little different. Where and and I think I should also say that in cash games, one of the best things you can probably do to to not have these big losing streaks is if you are playing one lineup, then you shouldn't be playing like all fifty fifties or all double ups because in my opinion because then what's going to happen is you're going to put the onus on that one lineup to either cash or not cash whereas if you're playing in head-to-heads as well then you can um you're you're going to maybe maybe your big weeks aren't as big but you're when you have a tough week, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be as down. Um, so I think there there will probably be less 
losing streaks if you're playing more head to heads and just not putting one lineup and trying to double up or fifty cash in a fifty fifty every week. So um that's also that's also something to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean that's something we've we've talked about on this podcast before and uh it just just kinda goes back to to the idea of, of managing your money responsibly and knowing knowing what you want to get out of the game. Uh some other things that you can do if if you're dealing with a losing streak, and a lot of these things are gonna that we're gonna talk about uh, throughout the end, or just kind of um, psychology of the game, or just the the nuances that go outside of building a lineup. And I think a lot of those things get overlooked, so I, I wouldn't just breeze past any of these things. Um, Check out a new podcast or a new website if if you uh, haven't yet. And there's a very fine line between information overload and consuming valuable content i think it is very easy and it's something that i'm definitely guilty of of getting caught up in your process or getting caught up in uh the articles that you read or the people you listen to uh but then you also just get this very narrow point of view so it's kind of finding that fine line between uh getting too much information but also maybe finding a change in perspective and not even necessarily uh using that point of view but just getting a fresh perspective so you can get your mind thinking outside of the box that that you might be stuck in uh going back and and just kind of looking at the games that you're playing have they changed if we've talked about this also on this pod if if salary algorithms are changing which it looks like they are pricing uh game structures if you're used to playing one tournament and you keep playing that tournament even though uh, the game structure is played uh, if though any of those things are different and you're still approaching the game the same way that you always have that's probably not optimal so you might need to go back and, and review your process i mean uh just kind of a generic example is if if you're auto paying up for running backs and whatever, say a, a cash game or a 50-50, but website has adjusted their pricing so that uh, there's a lot of running back value, then you should probably um, be refining your process. Uh, another thing you can do if if you f- find that and you, you want to do something else, just play a different site. Sometimes something as simple as just looking at a different physical interface can refresh your thinking and kind of get you out of, out of your rut and exactly what you're doing and that, that uh, visual stimulation can uh, trigger something uh, mentally to get you thinking at a higher level. Uh, maybe the site that you're playing on that you started on doesn't fit how you think or how you build lineups or or even offer a game that suits your style maybe you're a FanDuel player but the the way you think kind of fits DraftKings more if you if you like high variance games or you think you like high variance games but the way you build lineups are, uh tends to be around uh more predictable plays maybe you should play a site that favors uh predictability over high variance or maybe you're someone that that really excels at something like two quarterbacks and you don't even realize it so kind of just switching up sites can can be another thing that you can do yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, with me, I, I know I like to play a lot more cash games on FanDuel and a lot more GPPs on DraftKings um, for, for a number of reasons. But one of them is because I like the idea of when I'm playing cash games on FanDuel, because there's no flex, I have a better idea of exactly what all my opponents can do and kind of what, you know, if I'm playing a bunch of head-to-heads, like, what kind of lineups will I be going against that could possibly um, beat mine? And then, and as I'm creating my roster, I can kind of, um, kind of say, okay, well, this is what everyone can do, and now, and, and I could create a, 
create my roster in that context. Whereas on DraftKings with the flex position, it opens things up a little more. It's it's a lot. Uh, I think it's a little bit more difficult to see exactly what your opponents are going to be doing and, and how to just beat, you know, say a cash line or or, or something like that. So, um, but then in GPPs, I like the idea of having that extra flex spot to really find a way to now maximize the amount of points my overall lineup can score or maximize my my lineup's overall upside and play with things like roster construction. Am I going to, you know, do a double tight end and a flex or am I going to pay up, you know, at running back or, you know, am I going to get the cheap running back or the cheap wide receiver in my flex, you know, different things I can do. Um, I like that better for tournaments. So that's just an example, um, a, a really good one that I think TJ brought up of just understanding what site and what, what game styles uh, suit you the best yeah um moving on just to to a couple more uh things you could do outside of just reviewing your game uh find a dfs friend or hire a dfs coach i think probably the most efficient way that that i've improved my game throughout the years is just by talking to other people about the game and uh just breaking down what i'm doing it's it just casual talk a lot of the time you don't even really realize you're doing it sometimes it's just in slack chat or on skype or whatever but uh just having that friend that that you're going back and forth with ideally it's someone that's at a, a similar skill level as you uh so you guys can really bounce ideas off each other but even if there's a discrepancy in skill level whether they're better or you're better um just having to articulate that thought process it kind of forces you to to deconstruct your game in a way that you might not ever do if you're just sitting at home building lineups in front of your computer all week and uh, those people that you're talking to you can it it can also help you just get a better idea of where you do actually stand are are they struggling as well with a similar process Um, are they not struggling and, and what's the difference so outside of just looking at a lineup and uh you know in and a gpp and looking at a top level level player and trying to deconstruct what they did you get an idea of uh what someone else was thinking all week you know very well the ins and outs of how they got to their decisions and then also um after the fact you can talk with them and review and then uh if your process is very similar it could kind of uh, verify the, those thoughts of maybe it just is bad variance because I think I think that is something that's pretty difficult to pin down even if you do go through the process and say oh this is bad variance um, if you don't have anything to compare it to you you might still kind of be left feeling like you're in the dark but if if you have a someone that you really trust that that's going through the same process as you and coming to to very similar conclusions they're winning and you're losing uh maybe it is just bad luck maybe you guys have basically been like 2v2 on all your cash lineups and he's winning you maybe you guys have had a couple quarterbacks uh that you've been going back and forth on and you have them projected exactly the same you just happen to be the one that that picked the uh the i don't know the matthew stafford who's been scoring and then uh he picked the the kirk cousins or vice versa and i mean something as simple as that one player uh can have a huge swing uh in your your dollars one so maybe you're on the right track you've just your guy didn't didn't go the way it should have the last couple weeks and uh i think one one of the most underrated things you can do if you're really struggling if you go through all these things like you're allowed to take a break. There's no one forcing you to put your money in every week. I know we only get 17 weeks, but uh, if you're really, really like in a mental struggle with the game, uh, I think just stepping away, uh, maybe even just being able to watch football without any money on the line, and uh, you kind of feel like you're dumping your money each week, just 
stepping back, regrouping, um, saving money is the same as, as winning money. If, if you have $2,000 in your account and you don't lose $500 next week, um, that's the same as winning that $500 back the following week. So there's nothing wrong with, with taking a week off. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is going to take that advice because I feel like once you start playing, (laughs) (laughs) once you start playing, like, it's really hard for me to, like, I don't know if I could watch football without playing DFS anymore. Like, it, like, even, like, unless it's, like, the Super Bowl where there's, where there's, like, one game, it's, like, it's really tough because you're always going to be like, hey, like, I I knew that was going to happen. Like, I wish I could have, like, you know, made some money on it or something like that. We're all DGENs. But no, you make great points. And yeah, I think, you know, you could take a break. You can also take a break in terms of you don't always have to play the main slate. Like you can play smaller slates. That means less research. Um, that might help you out. You know, I think small slate GPPs are great for you if you've been struggling because it's kind of like you can learn a lot from them and you can you can usually leverage like one or two situations or, or takes that you have or contrarian plays or whatever and potentially win a lot of money because there's not going to be as many blind spots um, to where you might have a couple of good plays in your lineup, but you know you don't have the perfect nine, which is usually what you'll need on a larger main slate. Um, and then just understanding some of the psychological effects that come along with um, a losing streak, you know, TJ already mentioned, you have to understand that variance is a thing and that, you know, even if you're a good player, you will go through down swings. Um, there's something called counter counterfactual thinking, whereas when y- you compare an achievement um, to what might have been. So, I mean, that's good in the way of, you know, it, the, the example they usually give is like, you know, sometimes a bronze medal winner is happier than a gold medal winner because they feel like, okay, I almost won. You know, I still have something to, 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 to move towards. So you can, if you can use that and leverage that as motivation, you know, to get better, you know, that's good. But if you use it in kind of a gambler's mindset, whereas you say, oh, like I was so close and like, I'm just going to keep, you know, doing what I was doing and I'll, maybe I'll hit next week without, you know, doing any type of review, then that's not good. But you have to understand that that is a psychological effect that does happen that when you lose, you actually, you actually feel like, you know, there, there's some, you actually can feel good even when you lose sometimes and, and it can make you just continue to make the same um, bad decisions. So you have to make sure that when you lose, you're kind of using that maybe is more, even more motivation to even, you know, go and maybe try to improve on something or just, or just fix something um, in your game and make sure that when you're losing, you're probably going to have, the temptation to double down, risk even more, try to win everything back in one shot. And that's usually just how you go from bad to worse. And that's usually not something you want to do. It all goes back to responsible bankroll management where you want to kind of have your money in play pretty level on a week-to-week basis, at least in terms of the percentage uh, of your bankroll so that you're not losing more on the weeks you lose than you're winning on the weeks that you win. And then you also want to do things like just examine your own beliefs. Like, are you biased toward any type of player, team, Vegas line, roster construction? Like, I know some people will, you know, they'll only play players in in games with high totals, and then you could be missing out with value there. There are some people that might just never want to play a certain player, um, even if he's a great value, or might like a player so much that they play him even when he's not in the best spot or his salary's too much or things like that. And the same goes for teams. And then when it comes to GPPs, are you using too much logic? Like I think 
there's a distinction between cash games and GPPs. And I think especially when you're really deep into DFS and you're spending time, spending an hour listening to a podcast like this and you're, you're on Twitter and you're doing your X amount of research per week, you tend to land on a lot of logical plays in DFS. But if you, if you really go and look at the winning lineups, like, yes, there's usually a core of players, you know, that make a lot of sense and, you know, we're, projected highly in a given week but there are usually also a couple of players that aren't as logical where I said there probably is a lot more reasons not to play them than to play them now that's not saying there's zero reason to play them if there's zero reason to play a guy then you probably shouldn't be playing them but you know a lot of times the cons will outweigh the pros and therefore you'll feel like maybe the player is an illogical choice compared to some of the more logical choices where which, which will of course be highly owned and usually generally you know just because a player is highly owned you know we're not we're not that great at predicting um exactly which players are going to you know score the most points in a given week so a lot of times that will get you into trouble where you start just choosing every player based on logic I think you always want to kind of have a couple of players that you know make you uncomfortable in your GPP lineups and if you're not having that you need to go back and kind of shut your brain off maybe you know if you're playing cash and GPP you know maybe build your cash lineup either early in the week and then go away from it and then focus on GPPs so you can change your thinking up a little and then come back to cash at the end and see you know see how you feel or or the opposite where you kind of trying to make the crazy GPP lineups earlier in the week and then you, you make your cash lineup last and you, and you start thinking more logically and then lastly just checking if you have any blind spots you know are 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 you not seeing any type of game footage because you know a lot of people playing DFS they do so you know is that is that potentially hurting you or are you not looking at the right stats you know what players or lineups are other people landing on and and how could you have gotten to 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 those on those plays you know maybe you need to you know listen to a new podcast like TJ said maybe you need you know to subscribe to to a site like 4 for 4 maybe you just need to be looking at different stats on on the on the site that you're already using maybe you're maybe you're too influenced by projections when you should be kind of using a little more of your your common sense and you know not just being 100% data driven because I don't think that's the answer like I know some people will say what but like I, you know I, I think you have to mix qualitative and quantitative analysis in this game to really get an edge because a lot of people have access to numbers so you know a lot of different things you can do buying spots check it out but you just have to be aware of you know the psychological effects and, and most of all just you know don't don't just try to double down and, and win everything back if you're going on a losing streak uh, tj anything to add before we get out of here yeah i mean i, th- I think it just kind of all goes back to uh motivation and goals if, if you're somebody that is looking to be a long-term winner in this game and really take it seriously uh first of all coming to grips with the fact that this is going to happen i i've talked about this before i've I come from a poker background, so uh, these kind of uh, losing streaks or, or down times uh, don't phase me as much. I mean, I'm still human, but I, I come from a background where I'm used to it. I think people that come just straight from a uh, fan, uh, season-long fantasy background to DFS with without any other type of experience in games that mix um, skill and luck uh, can really... Um, can really get mentally affected by these things. Uh, lots of resources you can get, lots of really good books, uh, books on randomness. Um, uh, Nassim Taleb is one of the best ones. Uh, a couple other ones out there. Mike Mabusin has some really good books uh, that talk about randomness. Uh, some books on psychology and DFS. 
Uh, Renee Miller is probably uh, at the forefront of that in sports. But just kind of looking at all these things that mix uh, psychology, randomness, winning, losing, whatever it might be. But um, all those things really affect your bottom line, even if uh, you don't see them in your lineups. Yeah, definitely. Those are some good books. Some other ones. I know Denny Carter has one on how to think. Um like a DFS winner, I think it's called. That's a really good one on psychology. And then in Jonathan Bales, I believe it's his last book. Um, mm-hmm. It's all about different psychological principles um, in DFS that you that you should be aware of. So yeah, there's a lot of good reading material. Um, guys, thank you for listening to DFS MVP. Make sure to check out the 4for4.com DFS subscription. We're going throughout the championship round of the playoffs with all the content. Um, also, be sure to get into our DraftKings Championship qualifier. One week left. You can go to the DFS drop down at the top of the page on 444.com and click the link for the DraftKings 444 Championship. And of course, also guys, if you're having a losing streak, check out rostercoach.com. Um, that's an interactive video site that TJ co-founded. A lot of great DFS videos. Um, you can also get one-on-one DFS coaching with coaches like TJ, uh, myself, Renee Miller, Joe Hoka, and more. So check out rostercoach.com. Follow him on Twitter at rostercoach. And follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Follow myself on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Any last words, TJ? Let's get all of this money. Let's get this money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I can't do it, homie, it can't be done. Now I'ma let the champagne bottle pop. I'ma take it to the top. Show I'ma make it hot, baby. baby. I'm not pressing the the stunt and I pop. Still yeah. the bumps. I'm sure that I got it. Uh-huh. I feed a pipe of big peppers and run rock rounds. I'm 50 cent, I write a little bit. Yeah. Tell them, get the money right, cause I got mine. Uh-huh. And I'm around, quit playing. You can't shine. Woo. You gon' be that next chump, then end up in the trunk. After being, is that what you want? Be easy. Now, believe me, that's what I'm about. Gangster, you can find a nigga sitting on throne. Hit the clutch, hit the gear, hit the gas, and I'm gone. Yeah. If I can't do it, homie, can't. Be done. Now I'ma let the champagne bottle pop. I'ma take it to the top. Show I'ma make it hot.